How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. I'm sure you've noticed we talk a lot about ghosts on this show. But that's not to say we're not fascinated by tales of other types of creatures, such as elves and trolls and fairies. Today, we speak with Alma, a resident of Iceland who regularly works with the energy of the land and with the entities mentioned above. And, she says, you too can reach out to these creatures if you are willing to open your mind and your senses. Let's talk to an expert in Icelandic folklore and energy on The H-Files, today on Homespun Haints. Hello, Hainted Loves. Welcome to Homespun Haints, H-Files edition. Do, 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 That's my weird amalgam of the Homespun Haints theme and the X-Files theme mixed together. Oh, ooh, I like it. Yeah, it's awful. Did you notice when we were we were at the Science Museum in Nashville, I managed to blunk out the bass line on the auto music wall. <gasps> That's right. For the homespun hates. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to just walk by and hear it and be like, that sounds familiar. <laughs> I was so impressed that you you were able to do that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> for those of you that aren't familiar with the H files, every spring and fall and We'll see. We have a lot of them. We, we may continue it through the summer. We do mm. a mini series in between our regular episodes called The H-Files, which means instead of just getting us every other week, you get us every week, every mm-hmm. week, every Monday. And The H-Files is our opportunity to share with you not just ghost stories, but folklore and other deep dives into paranormal phenomena from an expert's point of view. Exactly. So the H-Files is basically your opportunity to walk into any social situation and say, well, that's interesting. But do you know about Banshees? Exactly. Yeah, it's a perfect icebreaker. Right. You'll find one you like. And we try to do things on this that you're not going to find or hear anywhere else because we go straight to the source. It's called primary research, baby. And well, I guess it's secondary for us because we're interviewing the primary. Re- anyway, so <laughs> I think it's pretty primary. It's pretty primary. Yes, yeah. exactly. Today on the show, all the way from Iceland, we are delighted to have Alma, who is an expert in all things of Icelandic folklore. Not only does she know everything you could possibly know about elves and trolls and fairies. 
from an Icelandic perspective, but also Alma herself has encountered many of these entities personally. And she's going to tell us all about it. I don't want to give any more away, (laughs) (laughs) but you're going to love it. She is such a delightful woman to chat with. If you find yourself throughout this episode going, what? Whoa, what? How on earth does she? She's going to give you a little information about how you could learn what she does. Mm-hmm. It's really, really cool. Well, since this episode isn't so much about ghosts, I wanted to make sure that I sprinkled a ghost story in for you oh, all. Oh, please sprinkle. Again. Yes, Sprinkle. And by that, I am not referring to our golden child. I was just going to say, as long as it's not a tinkle sprinkle, we're good. (laughs) So, Diana, as you know, I've been doing a lot of paranormally inspired travel lately. That was kicked off by our mutual trip to Nashville, where we are still putting out content from that. I do have a video I need to put out about a very odd grave that we encountered in the Nashville City Cemetery while we were dressed like spooky people. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to hear more about that. I've been very curious. (laughs) But the most recent place I did, Diana, you might notice that I am not recording for my usual location. No, your office looks a little smaller than usual. Yes, this is the second episode we've recorded from inside my mother-in-law's closet. And (laughs) that's because we took a road trip down the Florida coast And Saturday night, we stayed in one of the most haunted cities in Florida. Now, it's hard to imagine there are cities in Florida that are more haunted than average Florida. That's kind of insane. Well, the ghost tour guide that I had in this particular city said, I quote, we like to believe we have more haints than any other city in Florida. Oh, they actually said haints? He said haints, yes. Ooh. He's like, we got a lot of haints here. Mm Mm-hmm. I was very, very thrilled he said that. And so, (laughs) give a guess. Where do you think I was, Diana? You were somewhere between Atlanta and Florida? Thanks. No, I was in Florida. Florida. (laughs) Is there such a thing as somewhere? Wait a minute. (laughs) No, they touch each other. Uh, (laughs) You were in the liminal space. (laughs) That would be called Valdosta. No, I was in the city of St. Augustine. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it was founded in 1545, I think. We learned all about the St. Augustine Lighthouse when our guest, Dr. Christy Sumner, came on the show. And Diana, you and I have been to this lighthouse plenty of times. And it is very, very haunted. One of the stories that you'll hear when you research the St. Augustine Lighthouse is about four little girls who were on the construction site. It was the daughters of the overseer. And another daughter of one of the workers that he had hired for the construction of the lighthouse. And they had a cart that ran on these pulley lines from the top of the lighthouse down to the ocean that they would use to bring supplies up and down from the dock and from the boats up to the lighthouse top. And the girls would like to go to the top of the lighthouse ride the cart all the way down the cables into the ocean, (laughs) jump off the dock, and go back up again. It was their own little Victorian roller coaster. (laughs) Just to prove that tween girls have never had good judgment, and they never will. Yes. The cart, one time when it went down, 
They hadn't set it up correctly. The workers didn't know the girls were going to come down it. The cart capsized, turned over, trapping the girls underwater. One of the workers saw it, ran over, was able, with Herculanean strength, he was able to pull the cart up, and he was able to save one of them. By the time he got to it, the other three had drowned. Oh, man. Up until recently, we only knew the names of the general contractor's three daughters. We didn't know the name of the fourth girl. The three daughters were white, and then the fourth girl was African-American. And, of course, typical history didn't record her name. So two girls, two of the white girls, and then the African-American girl perished. Mm-hmm. Well, I went out to the lighthouse while I was there. I went on a very interesting ghost tour. It was not one of those where they dressed up fancy and walked you through the streets. We began <laughs> in a lost cemetery. I got a lot of mosquito bites. Eek. Yes, but we started in the cemetery and then we went to a haunted house and sat in there with like K2 meters and an SLS camera and things like that. Oh. Then we went to the grounds of the St. Augustine Lighthouse. And the tour guide told us that some of the investigators through his company had figured out the name of that girl that has been lost to history. Her name is Annabelle. Okay. Yes. Through through her equipment and stuff. Yes. We now know her name. She was really young. I think she was only like four years old. And she's still playing with the other girls in the lighthouse. In fact, they've now built a playground next to the lighthouse. And the girls will climb the trees. They've been seen in the trees. They've been seen swinging on the swings. Our tour guide even said, ah, I don't have anywhere to be. And he took us out to the dock and I got to see where they died. Oh, my. It was kind of, I mean, the <laughs> at night, 11 o'clock at night, looking out in that ocean. Yeah. It's all dark and misty and... It was very cloudy that night, and the light beam coming from the lighthouse it was a very, very eerie experience. And then we went over to the swings. Oh, and I should say I had my 11-year-old daughter with me because I'm such a good mother. I thought this would be a fun experience <laughs> She was great. I'm really proud of her. She did a really good job talking to the ghost, but she went over to the swings And she put a K2 meter in the swing and she started talking to the the girls saying, you know, hi, are you here? Do you like to play? I'm about your age, that kind of thing. And as she was doing that, somebody grabbed my wrist. It was just a little touch, a little brushing around my wrist. And I wanted to say something, but just then the tour guy decided he needed to come over and show me all of these photos of orbs that he had caught in that area. And I wanted to be like, dude, I want to like talk to you about the fact that somebody is grabbing my wrist. But he was so interested, like, oh, look, there's a spot and there's a spot. And I'm like, but somebody is grabbing my wrist and there's a spot (laughs) and there's a So I didn't really get to. Finally, I was like, okay, okay, can you that's that's nice. Can you go so I can like talk to this entity that's grabbing my wrist? (laughs) He was so, he was 
like, yeah, look, look, there's a, there's a speck out there. And I'm like, that's really not as interesting as what's going on with me right now. <laughs> there's part of me that was like, I should, should I tell him? Should I tell him that something is actually actively grabbing my wrist and stroking the back of my hand? And then I was like, no, he'll, he'll probably be jealous because all he does is he's pictures of spots. <laughs> So I didn't say a word. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Yeah. So that was, that was really an interesting experience to not only get to see, get to hear that they have learned the name of the girl who was lost to history, but also to feel something grab me by the swings (sighs) while my daughter was talking to them. Wow. That was cool. It's intense. It was awesome. Where did that end up? Did did the little hand take you somewhere? Are you tired of websites that have been Frankenstein together? Oh, my website is so slow and creaky. Every time I use the search bar, it just returns Abby Normal over and over again. Becky's sister company, The Concept Spot, holds the secret to life itself and can create new life from nothing. In fact, we've been giving life to highly functional websites for the last 25 years using premium parts we swear we didn't salvage from graveyards. Ooh, check out that head image. Instead of going my new website purrs. Need a blog? The Concept Spot can do that. Want an online store? We can do that too. We build our sites from the cellular level. No reused templates or discarded body parts here. So we can make your site do whatever you want and look however you want. (gasps) It's gorgeous! I can't even see the stitches. We can also resurrect your dead website if rigor mortis has set in. Oh, it's like a new man. If you think homespun haints is frighteningly genius, you should see our websites. Let your favorite ghoulish gals, Becky and Diana, build you a monstrous website that will wreak havoc on the internet for years to come. Visit theconceptspot.com for more information. It's live! It's live! No, because I wanted, I wanted it too, but the guy kept talking. He was like, literally, like he was like going through every single photo he had on his phone. And I was like, it's really nice. I don't care. And by the finally, fine time he was finally done and he wandered off. Like, I think whatever was grabbing me was like, um, clearly we're not getting anything from you. And they just kind of left. And I was like, come back. Oops. You're not my mommy. You know me. I'm so polite. Like. If somebody wants to show me every single photo in their phone of the supposed ghost they have, I don't want to interrupt them. Like, you know, I want to be like, okay, that's really cool. That's really cool. Yes. And that orb also looks like just an orb. You're an apparition snob. I am. <laughs> so did did your daughter get any good uh, responses back to her questions? She did have the K2 meter go off a few times. She was so terrified, though. And I think whatever was there knew that she was terrified. She even asked me, she's like, do they know that I'm scared? Will they leave me alone because they know I'm scared? And I was like, yeah, they probably will. But I was quite proud of her. She did really good. I mean, she was the only kid. Everybody else was a full grown adult and they were all just terrified. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Tween girls are redeemed. Yes, I was so (laughs) impressed with her. I mean, she was like, afterwards, she was like, I was scared, mommy. And I was like, of course you were scared. But you still went. Like, Mm -hmm. I tried to explain to her that bravery isn't not being scared. 
bravery is powering through even when you are scared. Yeah. And, and all the grown-ups were scared. They were terrified. Yeah. So. That's my latest ghost story. Well, it's good to know that's why there's a playground at the base of the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. It's for the dead children. How considerate. I was wondering that the last time I was there, I was like, why is this playground here? This is a weird place for a playground. But mm -hmm. maybe not if you are haunting that area yes. and you're a four-year-old girl. It's a perfect place for a playground. Yeah. And they have these beautiful old live oaks, old, old, you know, so like the branches are very low to the ground, like only a few feet off the ground. So it's very easy for the children to climb them when they were alive. And apparently they're still climbing them and playing around in them now. Oh, I do love the trees in that area. Yeah. They're so branchy. They're so pretty. Yeah. <laughs> My daughter was just like, Mom, it's a haunted playground. And I said, Girl, you play on a haunted playground every week. There's one outside of my office. She's like, That's yeah, true. but it's daytime. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. No, no. Haunted places are less scary in the daytime. A hundred percent. Yes. Absolutely. I'm on board with that statement. I hope you all enjoyed that little snippet. If you are ever in St. Augustine, please make sure that you visit the lighthouse. And also... Oh, yeah. Make sure you go on a ghost tour of some kind. I will link to the one I went to, even though I was, was here giving a little bit of crap to the tour guide. He was actually very fabulous. He was wonderful. It was it was an absolutely wonderful tour. I will have a TikTok about it available on our TikTok channel at Homespun Haints. And we'll probably also post some things about it on our other social channels, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, may not be on Pinterest. And Twitter, those are all at Homespun Haints. You can also find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash Homespun Haints and show notes for this episode where Diana will research all of the workings of K2 meters and include them for your viewing pleasure. Our show notes you can find at homespunhaints.com as well as information about how to get a hold of our guest today. And also, we do have an affiliate. We'd like to give a shout out to our affiliate, Ectogasm, maker of super cool, spooky enamel pens. They are awesome. I had to go buy a denim jacket, fill it up with them. <laughs> Where will I put all this flair? <laughs> mm -hmm. I have a denim jacket full. And everyone's always like, oh, let me see them. And then they kind of look at them. They're like, Oh, and I'm like, yeah, they all kind of have the same theme. <laughs> Every single one has a ghost on it. That's at ectogasm.net. And if you use the code HAINTS, all caps, H-A-I-N-T-S, you can get 10% off any order of $20 or more. It's worth it. So please go check that out. And it helps us as well. Supporting your local artists. Thank you. Thank you. We also, on our website, homespunhaints.com, have reviews of various ghost tours across the United States and soon the world. Mm -hmm. We will be posting reviews of this St. Augustine Haunted Lighthouse tour on our website soon. So keep an eye on that. If you don't feel like going and reloading the page every 25 seconds, you can always subscribe to our newsletter at homespunhaints.com. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah, I don't think we ever talk about our newsletter on here. We should. That's because it's top secret. Oh, yeah. You can be one of the elite. Join a newsletter. Learn all about the special things that nobody else will talk about. Mysteries of the universe. Yes. Like cat butts and how to make dried oranges. <laughs> well, I don't know anything more mysterious than those two things. So exactly. I'm subscribing. 
<laughs> You're already subscribed. I put you on there. Oh, thank you. All right. Well, without further ado, then you've listened to us a jibber jabber. Please give a very warm welcome for a guest who lives in a very cold place. <laughs> Let's bring on Alma from Iceland. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Deep in the bowels of Oklahoma exists a passageway that has remained locked for decades, untouched by mortals. We don't know why it was sealed nearly a century ago, but we are thirsting to find out. So thirsty. Do you have the same insatiable curiosity as us to see what lies beyond its threshold? On September 24th. 2023. We will unveil the shadows together via live stream as we open this sealed passageway, slaking our thirst for arcane knowledge. And we want you to be there with us. Virtually, of course. This may be dangerous. We don't have liability insurance. Oh my eye! But what will we find? Is this passageway a sealed tomb? A hideaway for treasure? A portal into another dimension? Maybe it's aliens. Even we won't know until September 24th, and you can be there to discover the secrets with us. I'm not scared. Visit homespunhaints.com slash basement to RSVP for this event and find out how you can participate in this interactive adventure with us. As long as there's darkness to explore, we shall remain its loyal devotees. RSVP now and immerse yourself in the abyss of the unknown that is Diana's basement. <laughs> Visit homespunhaints.com slash basement. Today on the show, we are pleased to have Alma Kern. Is that at all correct? Yes, pretty close. <laughs> Alma is joining us from Iceland, which is very exciting for us. She is our first guest from Iceland. She is an angelic Reiki master, and she also recently formed Starcodes Academy. And I'm going to give her a chance to share a little bit about all of that with you all. So Alma, thank you so much for joining us today. I know that you have a wealth of knowledge about elementals and Icelandic folklore and trolls and all sorts of really, really cool things. So we're really excited to have an expert on the show to chat with us about these things. So tell us a little bit about your Reiki practice and Star Codes Academy and all of the things that you're up to. First of all, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. I started my spiritual journey about the year 2000. After living abroad, doing my MBA in 2006, I came back and I started studying everything spiritually related that I could. And I knew for a very long time, I was working in the corporate world, managing international projects, traveling a lot. Uh, I knew I should be doing something else. I knew I should be doing something, working with spirit. I love nature. I'm very connected with the elementals. And I have been gathering knowledge about elves and trolls and all the different beings for about 15 years. 
So after like three and a half years ago, I had a massive burnout and I left the corporate world and I decided to step into the role I knew I should be in. I learned Angelic Reiki and I am teaching. I'm not the only Angelic Reiki master here, but I'm the only teacher in Iceland. So I have graduated a lot of Angelic Reiki masters <laughs> in the last uh, year, which is amazing because this energy is, is just unbelievable to, to work in. But then uh, a couple of years ago when COVID hit, my friend who is an artist, she was kind of plugged in and she started channeling light codes and all kinds of different pictures. And she started drawing and, and after having created about 100 pictures, she came to me and said, you know, I don't know what I have, but I have something. And we were like, okay, maybe these are oracle cards. Let's sit down and channel and see what we can figure out. So we sat down, Archangel Metatron came to us and said that we had, we needed to create a program based on some of the, the pictures she had channeled, these light codes. And uh, we sat down every week for 13 weeks. So we channeled for the 12 chakras that we were working with. We channeled messages and we learned so much about ourselves. We went through a lot of development. And then after the 13 weeks, we started again to go through another 13 weeks. We knew in the end that we had a program that we needed to deliver to the world, which is Star Codes Academy. And it's a personal transformation program. And we have been running that throughout last year. And it's continuing. It's so far only in Iceland, but we plan to take it to the UK in, in January next year. So <laughs> big plans yeah. ahead. Wow. This is amazing. I love it. We've been channeling so much. And this has been a huge, huge test for us just to trust. And because we are being led and we never know what's coming. So we just need to trust that we get what we need each time, each and every day. Tell us where people can find out more about that if they are in Iceland or in the UK in the near future and want to check you out. They can find starcodesacademy.com or starcodesacademy both on Instagram and Facebook. And then for myself, I work under the name Almarran, Angels and Elementals. There you can find more information about me. So yeah, I'm doing my own thing. I'm doing Star Codes Academy. I'm running a meditation group where we connect with angels and dragons and elementals. You know, th there are so many different things I, I do, but that's how I work. That's uh, what I need, the diversity. You're in such an incredible place for all of that. Oh my God, yes. So tell us a little bit about the energy in Iceland, the elementals and all of the magical creatures. We have a... Well, compared to the US, not a large country, but if you look at Iceland, it is quite big and it's isolated. And the size of Iceland is about England and Wales combined. So it, it is, you know, we have a lot of space. The land is very, you can almost say naked. I mean, we almost have no trees. We have a large black desert in the middle of the country. We can have sandstorms for days. A lot of mountains, glaciers, it's, it's a harsh country to live in. And just imagine around the year 1900, when we had about, well, probably less than 90,000 people living in the whole country. People were very isolated. Mostly they were just peasants living around the country, trying to just get by with what you could get from nature. 
So that's where all these stories come from, that obviously people that are very, very connected with nature and they're, they're isolated in the middle of nowhere and they have all their senses open because there is nothing to disturb them like we have now. We have so many distractions. And that's where a lot of the stories come from. You know, when, when people start feeling something, sensing something, obviously there were people that saw and heard and felt just like we do today. The thing is that a lot of the elementals were used to scare people back in the day. It's only in recent years that we have focused on the, the good stories. Trolls were supposed to be horrible and scary and they ate children and, and we, we don't have a Santa Claus. We have 13 and, and their mother is a troll <laughs> and she eats children and <laughs> you know, all these things. It was all just big and scary and they, and they were not nice. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Santas that we have today, they were stealing. One was stealing meat. Another one was stealing the balls or whatever you ate from. There are so, so many stories from these times and a lot is, you know, evolved around Christmas. It was, for example, said that the elves came to visit people on Christmas Day. So when everybody went to church, there was usually just one person left at home at the farm. If there was a person home, then the elves came into the houses and they played around and if the person did not treat the elves well, then they would be cursed and they would die. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there is a story about the, it, it's a famous one. A maid was left at home when everybody went to church. And first there came a few children and they were playing next to her. And she was very kind to them. She gave them candles and she was just nice to to the kids that were playing there. And then there came a man and sat next to her and, and he wanted to touch her. And but she was like, no, I that that's not something I like. Put up her boundaries, but said, you need to leave now. And he left. And then there came a lady who was the mother and, and wife. And she gave the lady, because she was kind to her kids, she gave her clothes. But she said that she could not tell anyone else where the clothes came from at this time people working on on tiny farms they didn't have proper clothes so this was a really special gift and the elves have beautiful clothes so next christmas the lady of the house she wanted she had seen the clothes so she wanted to stay at home because she also wanted clothes so when the kids came to play she was very harsh with them and told them off and in the end the kids left and the then the man came and she allowed him to do whatever he wanted and then the the wife and mother of the kids she came and said well because you treated them badly then your hand is going to get infected and you're going to die from it and that's supposed to have happened and these are the stories that everybody knew around the country Alma's stories aren't just folklore she heard growing up. She herself has become part of the stories of the land. One of the stories I like the most is because I was involved is when uh, there was a new neighborhood being built just next to the capital. It used to be a farm in the area. 
that, that they had planned and they had started digging everything up, creating streets and things. And the farmer or the guy who owned the land, he called my mother and asked if she could come and help him with a rock that was in the middle of a field that was supposed to be dug up. And he said, I've, I've had someone else come, but they didn't connect with the elves, but I know there are elves living in the rock. And he wanted to treat the elves properly. He didn't want to have the rock moved because it is well known that if you start doing something like digging up and moving rocks without discussing it with the elves, then they interfere. Machines break down and all kinds of accidents happen. And then this is still happening, only happened last year. Oh. So th this, this gets in our papers <laughs> and on the news. I mean, we need to have this respect. And there he, he was, he wanted to respect the elf. So we went there. I went with my mom and she connected with the lady living in the rock and they agreed. They said, we know we need to move. So we want the rock moved down to this place. And I want you to build a fence around it because there are horses down there. And I don't want the horses to be so close to my house, to my home. And he did exactly as uh, the elf said, and there was nothing wrong. Everything went smoothly. So my mom started talking to the guy and he said that the reason he knew about this was because his grandmother had help from a lady living in the rock when she was giving birth. We live very far north. We have horrible weathers. So his grandmother had been giving birth in the middle of winter and there was a, a really, really bad snowstorm. And because of that, they couldn't get the midwife. And she was having difficulties giving birth. So after hours and hours, she, she told her husband to please go out to the rock and ask for help. And he walked down to the rock through the snowstorm and was just lying there begging for help. And then when he went back to the house, she had delivered the baby safely because a lady from the stone, from the rock, the elf lady had helped her. So this is a man in his 60s today. Mm -hmm. So it's not, <laughs> it's not that far away mm -hmm. in time. This is what they can do. I mean, when we want to work with them, and that's what happens. They are willing to help all the time. And there are many stories about them helping children and elf children playing with, with human children and so on. Wow. Just in case somebody doesn't appreciate this this act and this risk that this, this couple was taking on, to describe a very, very bad snowstorm in Iceland is something that I bet most people who live in Georgia and Oklahoma in the U.S. could not relate to. I, I lived on a farm until I was nine in the middle of nowhere in the north. And we could have snowstorm for days. We could be isolated. You could have mountains of snow outside. The winters are really, really dark. Where I live in the, in the south, the sun comes up after 12 at noon in December. And it's down by four o'clock or even earlier. So imagine it, up north, it's even darker and you have a snowstorm going on for days and very, very strong winds. It's like you're, you're in the middle of nowhere. You, you don't see the next farm. It might be a kilometer or two away or even further. 
you're in the building, you're in the house, and you you can barely go out. Obviously, farmers must go find a way to tend to their to the livestock. But I remember this being a kid and just sitting in the house, and there is nothing you can do. The electricity might go; it's everything is dark. We had to have flashlights everywhere and and candles around the house. It would become cold after a couple of days without electricity. It's just ah, uh, it's it's very very harsh. And then it's easy to believe all those things. Of course, growing up in the harsh northern lands meant Alma came into contact with all sorts of entities, not just elementals. I lived in a huge house when I was a kid, and I was always very scared of the dark. But there was a reason, and I didn't know until I was much, much older, that there was a ghost. Well, a soul that had passed and was stuck there in the house, and I always felt someone following me. You know, we have three floors of this big house in the middle of nowhere, and everything is dark. It was not like you could turn. I mean, we were always saving electricity because it's expensive, and just going around during the night, going to the bathroom or something like that, being alone in the house, I was so so scared. There was a really, really good reason for me being scared of the dark. I always felt him behind me, and it was so uncomfortable, and I didn't understand what was happening. But I've heard so many stories of people that have never seen or sensed anything. They have seen someone in the window in this house. Oh, yeah, it's quite far from the from the main road. So when people are coming that way, they see someone, and they're like, "There is someone at home." And then they come knocking, and and no one answers. And this has happened over and over again. And and my father saw him. My mother sensed him. And he was not even just in the house. But then later on, I found out that he had built the house and taken his own life in the house. That was an experience. But、um, obviously now I know better. But this is there are so many stories of of souls. Being stuck in buildings here. Now, one of one of my soul's specializations is helping souls pass over, and also come into life. I once went to a friend's house after she had been so scared when she jumped out of bed because she was always being being disturbed during the night. She got so scared one night when she woke up suddenly that she jumped out of bed and she ran into a wall and broke a few ribs. And then I went with my mom. My mom is a psychic medium, and we went together and we helped this soul pass over. But just imagine how scared the family was and the kids with her waking up screaming and running into a wall and and you know being injured like this. This is one of the worst cases that I've heard, and it took quite some time to get him over, but it happened in the end. But they use their ways to get to us and to. Get us to notice them.、I、was traveling in the UK, I believe, three years ago with my friend. We were going there to make shamanic drums. We found accommodation next to a cemetery. It used to be, I think, the priest used to probably live next to the church. So we got a big room, got the suite, and there was a room next to it that was empty. And I went to bed. I just went to sleep. But my friend was with me. She was always waking up during the night because someone was touching the hangers in the wardrobe next to us, and she always heard the hangers <laughs> rattling. 
throughout the whole night. And then when we finally, when we woke up, she, she was like, okay, there is someone here who needs to pass over. We need to go out to the cemetery and find who it is. So we went there and we were pretty quick to find the gravestone. And we saw that it was almost 200 years since she passed. So she had been looking for her son for all this time. And he had drowned in the Black Sea when he was young. So we went into the forest. We, we use our ways. Now it's my friend who has um, Starcoats, who's running Starcoats Academy with me. And we both have this soul specialization to help uh, souls pass over. We open light portals and we help them pass. And it took quite some time because it had been such a long time since uh, she had been on Earth. So yeah, many, many stories like this. So Alma has experience with elves and ghosts. What about other entities? I love trolls. <laughs> they are amazing. <laughs> what do you love about trolls? <laughs> they're so kind and they're so grounding and they're so strong and just safe and secure. And to have a, a troll come up to you and actually connect with you is a privilege because they don't connect with everyone. I, I guess it's also because of what has been made out of them. They're supposed to be scary and, and, and dark, but they aren't really. They, they're keeping the, the earth safe. They take care of the, the mountains, the rocks and the ground, and they make sure that the energy is flowing as it should. So they only move if there are earthquakes or volcanic eruptions coming. Oh. Which there's a lot of there. That's something we have yeah. a lot of. Yes. <laughs> yeah. there, are not, there are not that many trolls, but to get to know them is amazing because they give you this strong earth energy just to connect. Just like fairies are happy and light. They light up everywhere they go. The trolls keep you grounded. I've seen trolls in other countries as well, but the ones here, they are quite tall. I see them usually about three, two, three, three meters tall. And they are this gray, brownish color. But it's just their energy, connecting with their energy is so amazing. Because I've never felt, probably never felt as safe as when I've been connected to a troll. But then it's easy when you have these huge beings to tell children that they believe them. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you think that they only got the bad reputation because they're kind of standing between the people and destroying the natural habitat. So that might've been scary. I think that people just sensed something that was big and maybe quite dark. At the time, around the year 1900, people lived in turf houses and in tiny villages around the country. And with this huge country and, and so few people, most of them were, were farmers, just barely living off the, what they had. So we were not really damaging anything. It's not until recent times that we are doing that. But I've not seen the trolls really interfere with that. I think, you know, when it's more the people there before, when they're sensing these huge energies that they didn't know what it was. I mean, obviously people were so isolated. They were not really talking about these things. And now that people live mostly in cities, then they're not aware of this. It's more the people in the countryside that still feel and connect and believe. I have a couple of questions about trolls. Is it true that trolls prefer bridges? That whole legend of stone bridges and a troll would be underneath to protect the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any truth to that? 
No, not that I believe. <laughs> I think don't they don't they avoid sunlight because sunlight will will harm them in some way. That that's what is said that sunlight will turn them into to rocks. Okay. But um my experience is that this is an energy that lives in the rocks. I mean, we can call them whatever we want. Elves, hidden people, trolls, fairies, all exist in different dimensions. Mountain devas, we have so many but this is all energy and, and, and we can see this in different ways. I mean, not everyone describes elves or hidden people the same. This is just, it's all energy. And obviously the trolls are, are big. They are strong and they can probably seem forceful. I mean, that, that's, and I'm not surprised that people, when they, they didn't have the knowledge or the, or being open minded, maybe as we are now that they could sense this as something dangerous. Now, when you say their energy, do you mean that when you see them, it's more of like seeing them with the third eye type of experience? Yes. So another question, you know, you mentioned that the elves are willing to help people, trolls are willing to connect with certain yes. people. If they're hidden in, in a way, like on a completely different dimension, why why do they have this urge to even help us? Aren't we like inferior beings in a way like why why do they care <laughs> or is it more like we're all just kind of living together in this space and you help me i help you but well, that's how it should be of course but I've, i mean because i've studied the elf communities quite uh, a lot in the last 15 years then i think the way their way of life is simply beautiful that's not perfect but they work in communities so I believe that's the reason why they want to help people when they are in need, because they help each other within the communities. So most of the communities are around 50 to 250 individuals. I've seen bigger ones, up to 500. Usually there are small communities and, and they help each other. I mean, everyone has a role. And if someone is has any issues, they are helped back to balance. Everyone has something to do and the older generation is educating the younger the people are sharing they're they mostly live on farming or they specialize in different things like making clothes or making fabrics and they swap between communities and it's just a beautiful way of life they enjoy themselves and there is you know the, the sound what we call them elf churches and they are those are holy rocks here. We we cannot, you know, that's something that we should treat uh, with respect. That's their community center. And I, because I hear and I see and I sense and I know, so use all the senses. When I hear this, the songs coming from, the, the sounds coming from the churches, it's absolutely beautiful. And people come together. The elves come together. Everyone is equal in the community, even though there is a leader, it's important that everyone has their space, has their saying, has their own house, and, and they, they get their share of uh, whatever crops they have and so on. Are elves indeed immortal? I know there's that other legend in popular culture. No, okay. not not uh, as far as I know. No, what we've what we've heard uh, is that they become around in in human years would be around four hundred year old. Okay, 
So no, they're not immortal. <laughs> and how can you become immortal? And then you always add on new yeah, souls. Exactly. You get very crowded over time. <laughs> yeah. There is a big balance in the communities. It's just beautiful. And, and the colors, basically, I can, as you said before, the third eye is, is amazing. We use that to see things. Just to see the, the colors, because I can, there, I can see the full spectrum, I believe. Mm -hmm. What is the full, full spectrum? Because their colors are so deep and vibrant and somehow completely different from what we can see with our two human eyes. You've given us some pretty specific stories about interactions with elves. Do you have specific stories about trolls and fairies you'd like to share? More about the hidden people. Okay, if I sure, sure. So they, they're they a bit different than the elves, a bit taller. And um, what I have learned in the past year or two is that the hidden people were actually humans who decided to pass over to a different dimension. Oh, that's and, cool. And uh, they also live in rocks. And um, they are more, they look more like humans. They are, keep more to themselves rather than the elves who usually want to communicate with us. And what the information we got was that they passed over to the other dimension because they didn't like the harsh realities that we have as humans today. So they decided to stick more to the old way of, of being and live in communities like we used to do before, rather than evolve as we have done and not always in the the right direction, I believe. And there is a lot of stories about the hidden people also, same as the elves, interacting with humans, but it's also said that you should be careful when interacting with them. But then they're not showing themselves as much as the elves. I've also heard stories about that there used to be, we have caves here about an hour from the city where people used to live. There is a big cave there. And the story is about the children, the children of the people living there. They were playing with children from the hidden people that lived close by. There are many stories that have been told about the, the children always playing together. Because obviously, when there is one family living in a cave in the middle of nowhere, there is no one around. So who should the kids play with other than, you know, just themselves? But when you have two or three kids... They were running around with the with the children of the hidden people, and they look much more like humans, as I said. So um, probably many do not make any difference between them. Do you think only the children could observe them in that situation, and the adults were just wondering that the kids were pretending? Or it it depends. I mean, I think people used to be much more connected to nature, so they were able to sense more. However, as we know, kids often lose their ability to sense things around six, seven years old. But that's obviously when we put them into the school system. So it might have been different then. This was about 100 years ago. You said there were humans who decided to exit this plane and go to a different existence in reality. Can a human mm. still do this mm. today? Could, could we do this if we wanted to? Or is this a completely different species by now? They are different mm -hmm. by now. They're much smaller than we are. And they they look like people might have done hundreds okay. of years ago. It's been quite some time mm -hmm. since they moved over to the other dimension. But then, 
who knows what we will be able to do in the future. Alma also discusses how the land holds onto energy, and that energy can be sensed if we're open enough to it. I was once in in Maine. I was invited to teach healing at um, a spiritual camp there. It was a beautiful place, but there had been a fire there in around, I don't remember, 1900, something like that, 1900, 1930. And there was a lot of grief still in the ground. We leave this in the earth. I was there for a week teaching healing and we were working with the earth. And on the last day, we started sensing small beings. I don't know if you can call them dwarves, not really. These were beings that the people there had stories of them since 100 years ago. But no one had sensed these beings for a very, very long time. And when I started describing them, they said, yeah, I mean, they, they were here before, but we, no one has, has felt them since before the fire. And then it was, you know, we need to clear our energy from the earth so that we can live together. And that's something that I do a lot of. That's kind of my community service uh, is going around, especially with my friend. We go and open light portals and clear the energy. And obviously there's a lot of people doing this, but, you know, with the vibration, the earth is raising its vibration. We are always working on a higher vibration and um, then we need to go back in and we need to clear. It's the same as with healing. It's like the onion, you know, there is layer after layer that we need to clear. And it's the same with this. We, We need to go around and clear the earth. And we do a lot of this, especially during summer. And we can sometimes be found somewhere on top of a mountain with fire in the middle of the night because the nights are bright here during summer, doing some weird things. And yeah, (laughs) usually (laughs) you can see cars, you know, slowing down when they see (laughs) us or (laughs) tourists coming and asking questions because we were just this summer in the middle of the country, like in the middle of the country, a black desert, glacier in front of us. And we were just so happy there was no one there. <laughs> so we just start laying out our crystals and we got our drums out and we started drumming and started our ceremony. And, <laughs> and then two people came biking up to us. <laughs> we were just, oh, <clears throat> okay. But we just continued. And then when we finished, the guy was like, is this something related to the Vikings? <laughs> No, not really. We were working with the spirit in the glacier and, you know, with the elementals and connecting everyone and clearing this energy. And well, obviously we we didn't say that, (laughs) but there is a lot that happens with that because when we do this work, we connect with the different dimensions and they're all willing to work with us. If we just keep in mind that we're working with the light and, and with love. And then they want to work with us because they're also on on their path towards ascension. I mean, they're also raising, they feel the earth raising its vibration. So we need to work together with all these different energies, whatever we call them. Is that something that one would learn at Star Codes Academy to be able to open these light portals and communicate? That's uh, one of the things that we talk awesome. about, yes. But it's a... Uh, 
personal transformation journey. So uh, we, we work through, you work through a okay. lot of stuff. Basically, we give you the tools to continue on your journey. You've spoken of the elves and the trolls and the hidden people and all of these fantastic creatures in Iceland. Are they all over the world? Are they mostly in Europe? Are they an Icelandic phenomenon? <laughs> Where can we find them? You can find elementals basically everywhere. Okay. I find them a bit different between countries. I've visited trolls in, in Romania, for example. There are elves in Scotland. I've been with elves in Scotland and with fairies and with tree fairies and, and you know all the different beings. But for example, because we don't have many trees, then our tree fairies are much smaller than the ones I see in the old forests in other countries. And the, the beings that I saw in Maine, I've only seen them there. They are a bit different, I think, between countries, but there is something everywhere. Obviously, where we have a lot of dense energy in the ground, it's not easy for them to live there. That makes sense. We tend to push them away. The man who wanted to move the rock, who consulted your mother to communicate with the, the yeah. creatures living inside the rock, had also hired a different psychic medium before that who failed to communicate with them in some way. Can an average person with no training or special abilities have any communication one way or two ways with, with the elves? Everyone can. It's, it's the same as with angels or dragons or unicorns. Yes, people can. You don't need a special training, but then you also need to trust what you're sensing and, and know, I mean, do you hear things or see things or sense or know? It's also about knowing how you sense things because that's, that's also training. Mm -hmm. But you might just know and, and, and you feel this and everybody feels there is a different energy when you go into the nearest forest or when you go to the shopping mall. I mean, we all sense energy. It's just how much do we allow us to take it in and how do we allow us to sense things? There's definitely a reason why therapists say that if you're anxious or having a bad day, go out in nature. Exactly. <laughs> Is there any knowledge or, or anecdote you'd like to share with the listeners? I just want to encourage people to sense their surroundings and just go out in nature and sit down and see what they feel. Because it's so easy, there could be a fairy next to you and it could touch your face or touch your hand and just trust your instincts. Trust that you're sensing what you're sensing. And when we have only good things in our hearts, you know, when we have good things in mind and we just want to be open and supportive of the environment, then it's so easy to communicate and connect and just feel the earth because, I mean, Mother Earth is amazing and just feeling her energy. It is amazing. Well, Alma, thank you so much. This was such a joy to connect with you and to learn about things that we didn't really know much about. Or at least I, speaking for myself, I did not know that much about elves and trolls. So this was, this was an absolute delight to hear your perspective and to get your very in-depth knowledge of these things. And you have a very, very beautiful way of sharing your stories. So we really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Tell us again where people can follow you on. I know that you gave us your website and that's A-L-M-A-H-R-O-N-N.com. And then there's also Star yes. Codes Academy. And we'll have links to both of those in our show notes. And how can people follow you on social media? 
I'm on Facebook, mm-hmm. Alma Run Angels and Elementals. Okay. I'm also on Instagram, Alma, A-L-M-I dot H-R-O-N-N. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Starcoats is on, both on Facebook and on Instagram, Starcoats Academy. Excellent. And we'll make sure that we link to all of those from our show notes, which you can find at homespunhaints.com. Also, follow us on our socials at homespunhaints on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Facebook, and TikTok. Very, very exciting conversation. This was this was really eye-opening. I thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you, Alma. Thank you so much. This is wonderful. Thank you both so much. It's nice Thank to meet you. It's nice meeting you. Oh, and to our listeners, have a long, cold, dark, spooky day. Homespun Haints is hosted by Becky Kielimnik and Diana Doty and produced by Homespun Haints Media LLC. Editing and music by Becky Kielimnik. Show notes by Diana Doty. If you have a ghost story and you'd like to be considered as a guest for this podcast, please visit our website at homespunhaints.com slash submit. Deep in the bowels of Oklahoma exists a passageway that has remained locked for decades, untouched by mortals. We don't know why it was sealed nearly a century ago, but we are thirsting to find out. So thirsty. Do you have the same insatiable curiosity as us to see what lies beyond its threshold? On September 24th, 2023. We will unveil the shadows together via live stream as we open this sealed passageway, slaking our thirst for arcane knowledge. And we want you to be there with us. Virtually, of course. This may be dangerous. We don't have liability insurance. Oh my eye! But what will we find? Is this passageway a sealed tomb? A hideaway for treasure? A portal into another dimension? Maybe it's alien. Even we won't know until September 24th, and you can be there to discover the secrets with us. I'm not scared. Visit homespunhaints.com slash basement to RSVP for this event and find out how you can participate in this interactive adventure with us. As long as there's darkness to explore, we shall remain its loyal devotees. RSVP now and immerse yourself in the abyss of the unknown that is Diana's Basement. <laughs> Visit homespunhaints.com slash basement.